Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome to We Earth Radio. This is your host, Michael Stone. I am excited today to be talking about plant spirit medicine with Emma Farrell. She's a plant spirit healer, geomancer, shamanic teacher, and the co-founder with her husband, David, of the groundbreaking London event plant consciousness. She's a lineage holder of the white serpent teachings and has been initiated into ancient magical practices of the British Isles. She currently runs a school of warrior healers and an apothecary of plant spirit medicine, and she lives in Southwest England. Welcome, Emma. Thank you, Michael. Honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. Well, I love your book. I'm so excited to talk about it. But before we talk about the book, Journey to Plant Spirits, I want to hear a little bit about your evolution. I really enjoyed reading about that and seeing the foundation that took you into the plant spirit world. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your genesis. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So my background has always been an interest in the mind and an interest in consciousness. And so from a young age, I've always meditated, I've been into yoga and um, etc. And then as I got older and had an awakening in Egypt and realized actually I need to change my life (laughs) to actually be based around my spiritual practice rather than just squeezing it in on a weekend, then yeah, I decided to head to India to the old cliche of going to India to find yourself. And I kind of did. And so I did some dream yoga retreats with the Lama in his temple. I did meditation retreats, silent retreats, and just really kind of dove into myself to find out what's what's kind of making me tick, what's making me feel like I'm boxed in in my mind and I'm not free. So then when I was in India, I saw advertised a, um, a course in, in Italy, in Tuscany, where you could go and do a master's degree in Tibetan Buddhism. And as I'd been studying at the Dalai Lama's temple, I thought, well, that's perfect. I'd love to be a student for two years in Tuscany. I can do that. Um, so, uh, so off I went. And uh, yeah, I st- studied um, Tibetan Buddhism and, uh, and how the mind works, how karma works, how energy works for, for two years. And, and that was really immersive and really focused and, and just such a great experience. It, it literally changed my life. But during that time, I was wanting to bring a lot of these kind of Buddhist practices about the mind, like lucid dreaming and dream yoga and out-of-body experiences to, to other people. I, I didn't realize that it wasn't that well known at that point in time. And so I decided to run this event with my partner in London about that. But it was at that event where people just kept asking me, have you heard about plant medicine and, and, and the plants and, you know, about teacher plants, etc.? I hadn't actually, you know, I'd lived in the Middle East for for nine years before India. And so I'd been kind of really isolated from my kind of nature. I appreciate there's a lot of nature in the desert, but I don't really recognize it. My bones didn't really recognize it. I was invited to 
a sacred ceremony with um, a beautiful plant from Africa called Iboga. And, and I sat and had this conversation with the, the spirit of Iboga for about an hour. And I was just asking questions and it was answering my questions with truth. And this just completely shattered my paradigm. And it started teaching me all of the Buddhist teachings that I had been learning and was just all still in my head. It helped me to really understand them and have a direct experience of them through my heart. And so that just changed changed my life completely. And, and then I realized, actually, I wanted to connect to the planet, even though I was really grateful to that wonderful experience. I wanted to connect to the plants and trees of my land. And, and that has been an even more deeper awakening into, into my soul. Into the, and, and I'd been on this huge journey, I realized, and studying Tibetan Buddhism. And I'd been abroad overseas for 15 years. And I came home and everything I needed was in the land here, in my home. All of the great teachings were here. Um, teachings equivalent to the highest Buddhist teachings were here held in the land and in the folklore and traditions of my of the British Isles and so I just came back home like really came back home to myself when I returned here back to the islands yeah it's it's just been a process ever since of, of just really getting to know all the plant and the tree spirits here on my islands and, and, and what they can teach us and so so that was my journey Mm, what a beautiful journey. I hear Sekhmet had her way with you too back in Egypt. <laughs> oh, she told me a few things. Yes. Powerful energy. To, <laughs> yes. I had to sort out my ego if I wanted to get anywhere with my spiritual practice. <laughs> yeah. So around here in the Kootenays where I live, uh, when you say plant spirit medicine, you're either talking about ayahuasca or psilocybin but uh, it's such a much broader, bigger feel. So what is plant spirit medicine and the path of journeying with plants? Can you explain a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So it's more the, the, the plant spirit healing. I call it plant spirit healing, really, because we receive healing qualities from, from the plants and trees and healing gifts from them. When I work with a plant, when you work with any plant, whether it's a teacher plant or a dandelion, it doesn't matter. It's all about intention. You know, when you, ha- when you go on a shamanic journey, it's all about the intention. When you do a meditation, it's all about your intention because we're co-creators in this world. And so we have to step into that rather than just being passive observers, but actually to co- to in- and, and it's exactly the same with, with the plant spirits. And so we recognize that the plants have a, a physical and a metaphysical part to them aspects to them just like we do and so the same similar soul forces that ignite our personality and and animators that we get from mother earth the fire and the subtle water and the subtle air etc and and the and and the even subtler versions of them there's many kind of layers aren't they of the elements but the, the plants and the trees have the same thing as well and so through those soul forces through those elements within the plants then the the spirit of the plant can come the conscious intelligence of the plant can come through Um, and just like us our eternal spirit comes through our soul forces comes through our um our, our elements our internal elements and so we need to be balanced within them 
And so the plant spirits help us to find that inner balance within the cells, within our soul forces, so that we can be embodied and we can live fuller and more wholesome lives here, here on earth. And they, so they rebalance us back to our true self. They, they help to guide us um, through all of our imbalances, wipe away all those obscurations of the mind so that we can see the truth of things, so that we can see the truth of who we are. And then we can start to bring forth our own gifts and our own healing gifts, which are all unique, you know, to others, if, if that's our path. Mm. And so the beauty of plant spirits is that, you know, you could work with the, the oak tree and I could work with the oak tree and it'll teach us different things because we're different, unique people. And yet they'll have a, it'll have a quality um, that's the same, that runs, that runs the same through, through the teachings that it gives to you and to me. So, the, for example, the oak tree is this beautiful, very noble spirit. You know, it's a very kingly energy. It's royal energy. It, it carries the royal energy of, of our islands and, and perhaps that, that kind of noble quality of, of, of your land as well. And so it holds that sacred memory. And so it wants us to hold our own sacred space within that too. So the oak really teaches us to hold sacred space. So how you hold sacred, how it teaches you to hold sacred space would be different to me because we, we need to learn different things, perhaps. So the, the plant spirits are, are so beautiful in recognizing that we're a unique individuals within this greater collective uh, and, and unity. And so it's a real honor and it's, it's really humbling to work with, with the plants and the trees. They, they really help you to kind of put your ego to one side and, and just recognize um, that, we're, that we're just part of this magnificent animistic spiritual world that, you know, we're just not taught at school. So, yeah, it's a beautiful process. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love your description. I'm just reminded of... Uh... I moved here from California and I had acreage with conifers and many, many oaks. And pretty much every year, an oak would give itself to me and I heated by fire. And I was always so grateful to have it. And, and you know, one oak would provide three to five cords of wood for the wow. winter. And it was just yeah. always such an amazing thing that a storm would come and an oak would go down, you know. And... They're, they're like our best friends, aren't they? You know, they provide heat. We can build houses with them. You know, they used to tan leather in the old days with uh, with, with the acorns. And, and the bark provides medicine. And the, the, you can even, the, the leaves are great for smudging, your, you know, your house. So, you know, we're just such, it's like meeting your grandfather or your old, an old friend when you meet the spirit of oak. Um, it really is a, a beautiful, a beautiful tree spirit. I remember when I was a little boy, my grandfather, we, they had a, a country home and uh, my grandfather counted the oaks. He said, there's 127 oaks on our property, you know. Wow. It's like he kept an eye on them. Uh, very interesting, you know. So let's, let's distinguish for our listeners uh, between soul and spirit and maybe mind, but particularly soul and spirit are often collapsed. So let's expand that understanding for our listeners. Could you do that? Sure. And I am speaking from a Celtic perspective. So, you know, I learned my tradition within the Celtic shamanic tradition. My understanding comes from there. And so I, under, I, I appreciate that some people interchange spirit and soul. And especially if in, in a modern 
context with the influence of perhaps the, the Christian church, we understand soul, spirit, etc. in a different way as well. But for me, the soul is the animating forces. It's, it's the, the, the kind of the unique aspect of us that we in, in each lifetime. And so the soul forces are the elements that, that, that are provided by Mother Earth to create our body, our physical body, but also our subtle bodies. And the spirit for me is the eternal spirit. It's the aspect of us that has journeyed and had this trajectory through lifetimes and is able to come forth through, through the, the throne of the heart and through the support of all of our soulful forces to create, to, to experience what it's like to be in this 3D physical body. So for me, yeah, the, the spirit is the eternal aspect of us and the soul is the the, the thing that really connects us to the earth. Yeah, you mentioned being in our body. And uh, unfortunately, most of us are not really in our body most of the time. No. <laughs> and we're so disconnected from nature, our own nature, from each other. So how can learning about plant spirit medicine help us to move towards more balance, wholeness, and a sense of self-transcendence? Well, you know, nature reflects ourselves back at us. You know, whenever we look at nature, we're, we're looking at ourselves. So you can see this, especially with the teacher plants. You know, it's very dramatic. You know, you'll just see, you know, your consciousness very clearly. But all of, the, all of nature does this. And even in the Celtic tradition, we've got this understanding that of the other world, that whatever is in your heart will be reflected back at you in the other world. You'll find it and encounter it if you journey into the other world, into the fairy realm. And so it's the same with any plant or tree that you work with, that when you work through your intention, so you, you find out what kind of um, qualities in general that, that tree or plant possesses, what area of your psyche or what area of your emotions or energy body what you need to work on, or to bring balance to, then that plant spirit will help you, will reflect your imbalances, will reflect your kind of your blockages back at you so that you can then, um, it'll support you in working through them so that you can gently, right, you know, this is why I prefer, you know, to work with our native and common plants and trees rather than the, the powerful you know, brutal sometimes teacher plants is because, you know, we're not, we don't necessarily need to be so harsh on ourselves. We don't need that kind of, you know, adrenal draining experience of, of you know, of an, an, a dramatic light show. Can, we actually need to be nourishing our soul in that we need to be coming back to a gentleness within ourselves so that we can gently nurture ourselves back to wholeness native plants and trees will gently do that we have to be patient with this we are works of art and so that takes time but just to bring balance and wholeness to ourselves and to feel more balanced and, and, and masters of our emotions rather than being controlled by them so that's where a lot of my interest lies in is in emotional balance and working with the plants and help us to understand the root causes of our imbalances and the root causes of our emotional, unhelpful emotions, so that we don't have to be ruled by them anymore, that we can actually, we can actually allow them to flow through us rather than getting stuck in our body and, and making us behave and think in unhelpful and perhaps irrational ways. So really, for me, it's, it's a case of 
allowing nature in and allowing nature to show you yourself, to, to show you what's in your heart. And I love the distinction you make about the light show and the big Weboga and ayahuasca and, and the big show. And, you know, I work a lot with trauma and with people with trauma and and a lot of people have huge experiences, but they don't get embodied. They don't really land. You know, it's like, oh, I, I may have seen I may have seen the light, but I'm, I'm not in the light. Whereas mm-hmm. the subtle subtleness, you know, when when you're working with trauma and we we all are traumatized, we live in a sea of trauma. If it's not individual, it's collective. It's not collective. It's ancestral or familial this kind of subtleness to awakening. I love that you you really put in your book meditation and contemplation. And that's those are in the way of the mystic that I teach. Those are the, you know, meditation, prayer, and contemplation are the three kind of basics. But working with our traumas, which is unintegrated past that we haven't experienced is one way to say that, a frozen past, which is in our body what needs to happen is it needs to be safe. I mean, safety is the number one thing. So sometimes the little movement in psychology, we call it titration. I don't know if you use use that term, but from chemistry titration, you know, you pour a little bit in, it doesn't blow up. So you pour a little more and a little Mm -hmm. more. To me, that more subtle energy of awakening and opening to it is a way of titrating and dealing with the more subtle Because, you know, in meditation, as you meditate, first, it's like, oh, yeah, this is nice, or this is uncomfortable, but whatever we, you know, we expect to see teddy bears, rainbows and unicorns. And then we create some interior space. And that spaciousness says, oh, it's safe for these unexperienced parts to, to come up. And they come up and all of a sudden there's beetles under my skin and wild stallions in my head. And, you know, it's like meditation's not for me. I can't do that. And, and, and yet that's exactly what needs to be felt and seen and heard, which relates to, of course, our early adapting. We weren't felt, seen and heard. So we suppress those parts of ourselves. So, yeah, I was just going to respond to that, that, yeah. you know, it's this having that fundamental basis of meditation supports your integration. You know, so whatever you see or learn from the plant spirits or or from nature or from your inner work, if you don't understand how the mind works and if you don't understand how, where your center is through meditation, then it can, you know, you're not going to integrate it or or embody it as much as as you should do. And so things can just kind of carry on. So you could have this great ayahuasca ceremony and learn all these amazing things about yourself but then you know we we know that after a ceremony this this kind of forgetfulness all uh, kind of comes in and so that the energy of that ceremony kind of you know just fades away into the background and so you can forget unless you're integrating unless it's a unless it's a long process so rather than it just being like a two-day ceremony that's just over okay I've seen it I've you know oh I, I realize that now what we Actually, it's a really long, it's a long process. So, you know, it can take a year, it can take two years to integrate just one ceremony. And so it's the same with the the native plants and trees. I'll set, you know, I'll set at least a month or two or three aside to work with one plant or tree so that I can see and feel 
through the lunar cycles, you know, what's arising as my energies change? How am I changing? What's the, what are the planets able to get through to me? And so, yeah, it's this gentle unfolding, but, but with this basis of meditation, so important. I had someone come to me a number of years ago when I was doing soul retrieval work. And, and he said to me, um, I've, I've had 47 ayahuasca journeys and 12 soul retrievals. And what can you do for me? And I said, not much, because you've got to do the work. And all of that going to outer sources to ha- try to heal the inner wounding if you come to a, a session and I and I give you my medicine, my traveling with you to see what I see, and you don't take the time to do that subtle work to integrate that, you could have a thousand ayahuasca journeys and you're still going to be a jerk. I didn't say that. <laughs> but <laughs> I get your point. You know, um, whenever I work with my clients, it's, you know, I make it very clear that it, this is a co-creation between the both of us. It's not that I'm going to fix you at all. You know, I, I clean up my clients' energy fields and, and so that they can just heal naturally so that can, they can kind of be able to see their spirit, their spiritual process can unfold a bit easier. But and so I support, but I don't do heat. I know we call it plant spirit healing, but, it, you know, it, it's not really nothing will come and heal you. It, it, it will just guide you or it will support you. But you have to do the inner work. And I think um, that there is too much of like, we outsource, we're, we're kind of conditioned to outsource, aren't we? You know, like all of, I used to memorize my, te- my friend's telephone numbers when I was a kid and I had the, you know, the kind of the, the hand telephone, the dial-up. I used to read a map if I wanted to go anywhere, but now, you know, or memorize the route, but now it's just all on GPS on my phone. And so we're just, we're just kind of programmed to outsource everything, our health to our doctor, education to the, to the teachers. And so it's really about coming back home, taking responsibility for yourself, coming back to your power, bringing it all back home so that you can just find yourself. Because when we scatter ourselves and and just kind of rely on everything outside of ourselves, we're not learning anything about ourselves. We're actually just kind of disempowering ourselves. And so all of the work with the plants and, and all of like what you have mentioned as well, it's, it's all about coming back to our sense of self and our center and um, being grounded in that. Yeah. You know, you said something and I don't think you quite meant it that way, but I clear their space. I clear their energetic field. And that's still a co-creation. If there's not a willingness and intention on their part. And I think that takes us back to early adaptive. We have to have co-creation before we can have self-creation. We have to have, we're born as mammals, we're helpless. We have to be fed, we have to be seen, we have to be nourished, we have to be held. So before we can really be empowered, we have to have a co-creation there. So we know because we go out, we're curious, we learn, we get scared, we come back, it's okay. My structure, my capacity expands. Then I learn to crawl, then I learn to walk. But all of that is a co-creation in the in the beginning. Before we can self-regulate, we have to co-regulate. And I mm. think that's something that that particular men that I work with, oftentimes, a, a lot of military people or people like that, they're going to power through, you know, they're going to like, I'm going to overcome this. 
but there's really nothing to overcome. It's, it's about integrating, not overcoming. And anytime we're trying to overcome something, we're not here, we're in our ideal self trying to get somewhere else. So how can you heal if you're in your ideal self and you're not where you actually are? I'm wondering mm. your thoughts about that in your work. Yeah, I mean, it's this, it's this idea of transcendence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, we have to transcend everything. It's like, you know, even in, even in astrology, you know, people say you've got your astrology chart and your objective in life is to transcend it. It's like, oh, okay, get out of myself then. Well, I, I have to get, get out. I have to be something else rather than being yourself. It's about integrating, like I, I just said, yeah, it's about coming home. It's about integrating everything. So there are aspects of us in our astral body that are unintegrated. So there are kind of our, our shadow, our darker aspects, you know, that are unresolved from our traumas, etc., can manifest as perhaps, I don't know, a dark witch or, um, you know, a dark something, you know, kind of a dark animal perhaps. And, and it can be seen by other psychics in that way. Or you can see it yourself if you kind of look at your, your astral body. But that's just your unresolved trauma. And so it's not that we have to push that aspect away. Oh, I've got to get rid of that dark aspect of me. No, it's about loving it. It's been dis- disowned. It's been cast aside for too long. You can't, you can't get away from it. You know, it's about loving it and understanding why it is the way it is. And, you know, it can be difficult, can't it? Because some things that we have to overcome are from past lives. So they can be really hidden. And so they, these kind of, the, the kind of the, the traumas and the unintegrated things that, affect, that are big challenges in our life, that have kind of affected a big proportion of our life, generally past life. And so they can be more challenging. So it takes a lot more time and a lot more kind of many more plants perhaps and a bit more integration rather than thinking that you just have to run away from it and get over it and have this idea that one day in the future I'll be happy sat by my fire reading my book and everything will be fine then I'll be, then I'll be happy right. and so we project everything into the future and it's like no we have to come here now we're here now you know like what's going on for us yeah for me it just always comes back to this to embodiment and the present moment and that's on the micro on the individual and the macro say climate change and all the things we're postponing what really is needed to be attended to and i think when we're you know the word transcendence as you say i think it's misleading i think of transcendence as an expansion from a dualistic perspective of the world to a non-dual or the law being not two, no, no separation. So transcendent to me is more about the narrative or the story. If I can be, if I can do my inner shadow work and healing and have integrity and authenticity and openness to go beyond course we want to control everything that's one of the things we get just afraid so we want to have control and immediately when we're trying to control we have no access to the emergent or the unseen world the the other world uh, my friend john o'donohue used to always say tiana nog was the one that i i don't know if you know that irish yeah uh, yeah that you know that that place that is way way far away but it's just over your shoulder the other, yeah. I, I guess that's how you use the world, other world in your cosmology also. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. And actually, um, there's a beautiful place here in the British Isles called the Isle of Man. And for me, that's Tiernanog. <laughs> if you go to the Isle of Man, it's completely otherworldly. It's beautiful. The Aran <laughs> Islands for me. I, I've been oh, okay. to uh, uh, Denangus and, and out in that area. So yeah. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I loved the way you explained that actually about transcendence. It's more of kind of like an expansion and an emergence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, we have to really kind of look at the language we use when we're describing things because language we create our world with language you know it it structures our reality and it creates spells for ourselves and others so we have to be really careful and so even the word transcendence is that it it kind of enforces this up down hierarchy of of energy and and actually you know if you look at quantum mechanics even nothing is everything's non-local so there isn't up or down and so I know we we kind of we we break things down into an easy way, a conceptual way of understanding them, like this kind of like higher frequencies, higher dimensions, etc., just so that we can understand them. But actually, in reality, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It literally is just an expansion. And even past lives, you know, that's a little bit kind of misleading as well, because it's not past, it's still alive within me. So how can it be in the past? And so it's just kind of reinforcing this, this linear way of understanding life when actually I feel like my past lives are more kind of like emanations from me at the center, perhaps, and emanations out onto different timelines and dimensions and locations, but but they're all still alive within me. Otherwise, how could I experience a past life trauma right now if if it was in the past? Right. It's that reductionist mapping is what it is. How can I grasp onto it? How can I grasp the ungraspable? So we stay in that story or that narrative. You know, I always say to people, you know, I have a hand, but am I my hand? You know, I have a story, but I'm not my story any more than I'm my hand, that there's something much more expansive that's available by Mm. attuning to the subtler energies, more and more subtle energies around me, which is Mm. much what I do. I just want to tell our listeners, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to Emma Farrell. I'm so excited about her Plant Spirit Medicine book. It's going to be the book of the month in the Well of Light. So please tune in. I just (laughs) love this book. It so speaks to me. And, And I want to go back to what you just said. Something really opened up for me in the book when you were talking about past lives and as a radiating eminence. I love that. I'm I'm not using my words, but it was like, you know, radiating. It's like multiple circumferences around my field. So it really, that transcends the space-time problem there when you can get that there, we're not living in linear time. There's not a past here and a future out there. And then I'm somewhere in the middle of it. In fact, trauma is that the past is not here. It's dissociated. So to bring the past here into this moment, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, You theory, I can't remember, has a beautiful way of of saying that the future is really emergent. And the more present we are, the more the grounds and conditions for that emergent future to arrive it is always happening here. The creativity, the innovation, the ability to, trans- to transcend the identity is, is available as an emergent quality. So maybe you want to add to that about uh, time and space and the importance of having a different perspective there. 
Yeah, you know, um, we live in houses with straight lines and, you know, we see our parents age and, and, and perhaps pass away. And so we see ourselves aging. And so we, we just kind of we are in this physical realm, we're tuned into this, this linear way of living, this linear way of, of being and even within the economy where we've got this uh, GPS that's continuously having to be increased. And it's but just based on finite resource, it's nonsensical. And but we're so we're programmed in every aspect of our life to live in this linear way. When you dive into nature, nothing's linear. Mm -hmm. Everything's cyclical, uh, cyclical. And so by working with nature, by working with our cycles within ourselves, you know, our sleep cycles, our, the, our energy cycles as we move through a lunar month, we're, we're cyclical beings. So we, we die and we're reborn every single day as we go to sleep and then we wake up. If we recognize this cyclical nature of life, we can get out of this really rigid, linear way of thinking that's actually just one perspective. It exists, you know, we do age and we do die, you know, it's, it exists, but it's not the only thing that exists. It's not the only way of being. And so it's this recognizing the paradox that everything is, is cyclical as well. It's circular. And so the earth is circular and, and the nature is circular. And so everything, our healing process is circular. You know, you can go on a, um, a healing process to, to kind of work on a certain aspect within yourself. And then about two years later, you'll come back around to the same point. You're like, oh, I thought I dealt with this two years ago. But actually, you're just at a different point on the spiral and you're ready to go a bit deeper with it. Mm -hmm. And so, so our healing process is a lifetime's process you know, or multiple lifetimes, who knows, but if we can just recognize that we're not just living for this life, that we're doing the work now for our future life, when we circle back round, if we choose to, it, and we get into this kind of circular mentality, then we are not binding ourselves to the, to the kind of the rigidness and the, the kind of the illusion of one life. Yeah. And the illusion of being kind of like everything's got to be done for this life. And, you know, we've only got one life. We've got to make the most of it. And that's true to a degree. But actually, we've had multiple lives. And so it, we're, we're in this big circular cosmos. <laughs> yeah, you know, and an important aspect of that, that I think we have lost our connection with our ancestors and that people look at the ancestors not as living in us and of millions of years of evolution and transition and resiliency. And our ancestors dealt with climate change <laughs> big time. Our ancestors dealt with, with war and famine and disease and plagues and everything. To not be connected with the ancestors is to, to not be connected to our innate resiliency, I think. Mm. That's an important aspect. I'm going to relate that to our relationship to death and our medical system of keeping people alive at all costs, that whole keep them alive, keep them on support system. But death is this horrible thing rather than this part of the journey that we're in that is kind of amazing. I, I had a, a death experience once in my life. So it really, it really altered my uh, awareness of that. But I'd love your comment on those two aspects of death and ancestors and how they work. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So, so yeah, ancestors are really important in my tradition as well. 
you know, we've got our genealogical ancestors, um, you know, that whose, whose blood runs through our veins and whose beautiful wisdom we can tap into through, through their kind of the epigenetic memory. But we've also got the ancestors of the land. We've got the ancestors of our original ancestors from our, from our land, of, of where we're from. And so we can tap into the general wisdom of the ancestors as well. But we can't really kind of tap into that kind of unless we acknowledge it. And a lot of people, again, just think, oh, it's in the past, et cetera, you know, and forget that we've got this really profound amount of power and support that we can tune into if we allow ourselves to recognize the kind of like the wounds, perhaps, that we're carrying from those ancestors and recognize the the healing that can come from that and then at, and, and then in my tradition as well we don't just go to that level we go back to our mythological ancestors and so our mythological selves you know because our, where, where is the origin of our souls I know that it's, it's quite kind of common nowadays for people to recognize their off-planet origins their star origins but that's not necessarily all there is to it. You know, our, our mythological origins go back into kind of dragon realms. They go into elven realms. They go into all of these beautiful, perhaps kind of more high elven realms or unicorn realms. I don't know, but um, <laughs> fey, the fey realms, absolutely. These mythological aspects of ourselves, which we probably incarnated into those realms at some time. And some of us, and lo lots of times in lots of time and lifetimes in those realms. And so they, and so we carry that quality within us. And so it's recognizing all of these different lineages. And so in my tradition, your shamanic power, your shamanic ability comes from your mythological ancestors and your and so when you clean yourself out when you re remove all the conditionings of your mind and you clean out your energy field you clean out your big traumas then you can allow and you recognize the ancestors and you pay homage to them then you can recognize those aspects within yourself and their power and energy can come through you and their healing abilities yeah, in my tradition, and you know, it's it's the ancestors are are so important. Brilliant, I love that. <laughs> I was just as you were talking, I was thinking about initiation and rite of passage. You know, in the ancient ways, there was always initiation and rite of passage, and I think that whether people realize it or not, right now we are in an initiation, a rite of passage, which the stakes are the future of the human race. It's high stakes that we're in right now. I'm curious how deepening our relationship with plants can help us move to and be a co-creator in an evolutionary jump in consciousness itself. Well, I believe that we're moving into um, an expanded state of consciousness and expanded awareness some people call it fifth dimensional consciousness other people call it under unconditional love unity consciousness there are lots of different words for it but it is this prophesized time that we're living in it's it's monumental and and, and it's passing a lot of people by and they don't realize that we're in this that we've got great opportunity to make huge changes in our life you know, I've noticed that, you know, it's almost like a quickening that I can work through my stuff and my, my issues quite quickly now. And, and, and it's, so there's been this kind of this quickening process during this time as well. You know, you speak to astrologers and the astrology is just epic, according to them, you know, for the last two years and, and for the next few years as well. 
And so during this time of great upheaval that's been prophesized for a long, long time by many indigenous cultures, I, I learned about this time back in 2010 in Egypt, during any period in time when we're going through great tumultuous periods, it's nature, it's Mother Earth that supports us. You know, it's the Earth that supports the ground the, as, as we walk. The Earth that supports us and gives us the beautiful Earth body in which to experience this world. And so by coming back to ourselves, that the plants allow us to come back to ourselves, the plants help to clear out all of our issues. So, for example, hawthorn would really help to clear blockages around your heart. And of course, the heart works with the mind. It's not just the mind expanding into different consciousness. It's, it's the heart. And so we can work with beautiful plants like rose and fireweed, which is rose bay willow herb and hawthorn to really help protect and, and open the heart space and heal and release the trapped emotions that are hidden there. By doing this, by, by clearing out these blockages, helping us to kind of release and integrate our traumas and, our, and, and clear these blind spots in our psyche we can then start to feel safe within ourselves and allow ourselves to open into a new level of awareness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, I've had many realizations and inspirations that have come to the, that have just kind of come to me from, from nature that have just allowed me to just break free of these constraints that the, of, of being the a modern human has, has put onto me. It really is moving away from this kind of like this synthetic world as I, I kind of see it into, you know, into this organic world and recognizing that, you know, we might be having some amazing advances in technology, but that all technology is just an externalization of biological functions. And so we are the amazing technology, you know, we, we are unsurpassed. And so why don't we find out what we can do, how we can communicate with each other telepathically. And so I think this overabundance and this kind of pressure of all of this technology right down to the nanotechnology, it's kind of, and the reliance on it. It's great in some ways, but, and, and really not great in others, but actually it's just taking us away even further from ourselves. So the plants and nature are just going to bring us back to ourselves. During the last two years, when we had lockdowns, a lot of people spent, had a much a more amount of time to spend in nature. And so they recognized, oh, yeah, I'm not really enjoying my corporate life in the city anymore. I really need on a soul level to, to move to the countryside. So we've had this mass exodus here in the UK of people moving out of London and, and moving out of the cities into the countryside. And, you know, on one level, that's great because we, we all need that soul nourishing. So nature and the plants and spirit, uh, plant spirits and tree spirits, they know we're going through, they're going through this time and evolution. It's not just us, they, it's not just humankind, it's all consciousness, all sentient beings are all going through this great shift in awareness and consciousness as Mother Earth changes her frequency and her vibrations and so we evolve with them and so the beauty about working with plant and tree spirits is that they get to cope they get to evolve by working with us and so when you work with a plant or tree spirit you can create something even more amazing between the two of you so the plant spirit evolves and you evolve at the same time and so you know it's like when in, whenever you've got a group you create something that's greater than the sum of its parts. And it's the same when you work with plant and tree spirits. You're creating something that's even more advanced, even more expansive 
then it was just then if it was just you trying to do it on your own for me it's it's kind of you know it goes hand in hand with the, the our, our this consciousness shift goes hand in hand with the with nature brilliant i love what you're saying you use a lot to work with you know how, how do i start to learn how to work with mugwort or oak or dandelion all, all the different things you talk about in your book talk about that maybe you can talk about it in relationship to the the Celtic medicine wheel, a lot of people know about medicine wheels, but how can we use that medicine wheel and work with the plant energy? So I'm sure I don't need to explain to your audience what the medicine wheel is. So, so in my tradition, it's very similar to the Native American tradition, actually, Celtic, the, the Celtic tradition and Native American um, have, have very similarities and crossovers. And so for, for me, the medicine wheel, this, this, this cross with, with a circle around it is the kind of the, the symbology of it, which represents the four directions and, and, and the four directions emerging out into create the, create our, our world. And so the, the plant and tree spirits work within this cosmology. And so for me, actually, I think it comes from the fairy realm, actually. It, it used to be the fairy crossroads, it was called here. And so you could open up the fairy crossroads as the portal to, to dive into the other world. And so you can work with the medicine wheel in that way with the plants as well. And so you could work with, with nettle, for example, the beautiful nettle, which is a fire plant. And so you work with the, the elements within the plant and you look at all the kind of like the, the different qualities of the plant that make up its energetic framework. So it's got, it's associated with the South, it's associated with fire, it's associated, it's got quite a military quality to, to nettle. And it's very nutritious, it's an adaptogen. So that affects how we perceive the spirit of the plant as well, because it's very adaptive. And so you look at all the qualities of the plants that make, that, that will go, that, create the framework for the spirit to move through and so the you, you look at the the plant itself we do a lot of deep observation in my classes where we spend a lot of time really meditating and getting into the dream of the plant through observation of it and so nettle has this you know these kind of leaves that kind of look if you look down on from the top it looks like a medicine wheel actually because they're opposite two leaves and then on and then 90 degrees and then and so it creates this perfect balance so that even on this thin stem the, the nettle can grow really tall because it has balance and so that's what that that quality that it expresses through its physical gesture. It also allows us to embody that within ourselves when we work with nettle and ingest it. This balance, and that can be very much on an emotional level and on a mental level. So nettle would be great to meditate with, for example, because it creates just this beautiful balance. And so when we place the the plants on the medicine wheel like this, it really helps us to understand the plants. And so the way that I would say work with nettle within the medicine wheel, I would have the medicine wheel as like my altar. So it's kind of like a physical representation of my personal intentions. So I'd have net, I've had, I'd have something to represent nettle on my altar. I'd have perhaps um, something to represent my intention for working with nettle on the altar. And I'd set myself a container a period of time set aside to work only with that plant spirit and honor that plant spirit and request that plant spirit to for me to be its student for that period of time and then I'd ingest a lot of nettle so say I'd put aside a, a, a lunar month I'd take nettle tea every day I'd take nettle essence I would take nettle tincture I'd do lots of shamanic work I'd do lots of meditations with it I would dream with the plant and I'd just spend that month getting to know that plant like you would get to know a new friend 
and really kind of honor that plant. I'd go out and find nettle and make offerings to, to the nettle and be with a, a live nettle outside. And so just really embody the plant to get to know how and, and keep a journal, you know, really important so that I can see how I have been influenced or how I have kind of changed during that, that lunar month, that period of time. And so by working in this way, when you set a container for, for anything, as, as you know, when you set a, you know, a, a time frame for working um, in any particular way, whether it's an hour or whether it's um, you know, three months or a year, everything that happens to you within that time frame is through the lens of the plant that you're working with. So people kind of forget, people kind of think, oh, oh, you know, I'm only going to experience nettle when I take the essence or the tincture. Well, no, you know, when you're taking it every day, it's in your energy field. So everything that's happening to you during your, your period of, that you've set aside for yourself and you've set your intention for, everything is within the, the perspective of that plant spirit. And so we can learn so much more in this way by working with the, understanding the plants on a physical level through and working with the medicine wheel as our kind of our ritual uh, basis honoring the plant and also then kind of as a reflection of of the inner work that's going on for us so these are called plant diets and they are kind of uh, probably from south american tradition but i'm sure we had them here in the british isles it's not really kind of recorded although i'm sure the the witches of old did very similar things to get to know the the plant spirits <laughs> in the amazon it's dieta the the diet that's dieta yeah, yeah. I, you you just reminded me of i've spent a fair amount of time in the amazon with different tribes and doing there's a, a cleansing ceremony called olympia yeah you use that i think somewhere in your book also yeah yeah but it means it's a cleansing ceremony and uh, and one of the things that they do you know you're you're naked, you're going through this cleansing, and then you get beaten with nettles. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Florida water and then fire, you know, <laughs> all these elements going on, you go, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. But it's an incredibly, it's a beautiful ceremony, and usually accompanied with candle, you know, um, a divination or some kind of divination on top of mm. it. I, I got rubbed down with um, like smashed ginger. Mm -hmm. So um, in the Amazon, so for, for my Olympia, it wasn't nettles, it was ginger. And so oh. I, it was rubbed all over my body and, you know, almost naked body. And, uh, you know, I had to, and my, I was on fire, you know, <laughs> in this hot jungle being rubbed down by a ginger. Yeah, it was uh, quite the experience, but, I, you know, I felt great afterwards. Chilies in the eyes at one point to cleanse your eyes. And oh my! Wow! Yeah, <laughs> I had my warrior training too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, we're getting close to the end of the time. Let's talk about anything that we have that you think is really important. Are there some things that you could bring in, and and uh, you know we can build on that. I think that it's really important for moving into this fifth dimension consciousness that we we have some clear like. How uh, am I going to bring more mindfulness and awareness just into my everyday speaking? And maybe you can talk about how plants, just, just the attunement with the plants helps to develop our mindfulness. 
Yeah, I think one of the best ways for us all to bring in mindfulness and and tuning into ourselves is by managing our energy fields. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I call this um, psychic hygiene or energy hygiene, but just and, and it can serve many purposes just by recognizing that just like we need to wash our face, <laughs> we need to clean our energy field. And so managing our energy field, because there are so many different toxicities in the world today, you know, and especially after the last two years that we've been through, um, that, that our energy fields really need a lot of maintenance. And so working with the plants, um, working um, with nature, working with, you know, um, salt baths, limpias, you know, all of these things, um, meditations, um, visualizations, um, working with Mother Earth to, to compost your kind of stuff, um, just managing your energy field in this way. And the more you cleanse your energy field, the more you'll recognize when you've picked something up in your energy field, because we pick things up from other people. We pick things up from, you know, psychically toxic places like train stations and um hospitals and churches those are all kind of a lot of toxic psychic debris in these places and so uh, we can easily pick things up so we need to recognize that and and, you know you can recognize it sometimes for me depending on what I've picked up Um, you know it'll manifest in my energy as kind of like maybe I'll just get a bit anxious for no reason or a little bit kind of wobbly or slightly nauseous and so like, ah, oh, I need to go and cleanse my energy field. And so I'll get a, a you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, my kind of uh, practice. But there are lots of different ways to do this. Um, but as we do this as well, the beauty about cleansing and managing our energy field is it, it strengthens our clairvoyance abilities. It strengthens our shamanic senses and it strengthens our inner world. It illuminates our inner landscape so that when we do our meditations or we do our shamanic journeys, it's a lot safer, it's a lot clearer, um, and, and it's just awakening our inner self um, and our, uh, yeah, illuminating our inner landscape so that we can start to recognize that the energy field is actually a reflection of my mind, which is a reflection of my body. And so it's all one thing. It's not separate. And so the inner world sorry, the, our outer world is just a reflection of our inner world. And the more we get our inner world in balance through managing our energy field and doing our inner work, the more that that will be reflected into the, our outer world. And so that our external world and the inner world, they're just the same thing. And so if we've got conflict going in our, on in our external world, it's a reflection of the inner conflict that's going on with us. And so there are great plants to mugwort is especially brilliant at teaching us this. Um, but so for me, this, this kind of the psychic hygiene is, is one of my kind of main teachings because um, I just see the benefit of it in so many different ways. It supports our health. It supports our spiritual practice. It supports so many, it supports our loved ones because we're not kind of spreading toxic stuff to our loved ones you know it it just supports life in every way and so yeah it's so important I call it resourcing from my more psychological background but it's literally when we're well if you look at trauma a lot of the reaction to trauma is being hyper-regulated or hypo, but mostly hyper-regulated. So we're we're using our chi dollars, our energy uh, account 
to do that, we're taking from our life force, really. I think people don't realize that, that we're diminishing our life force if we're not resourcing. So for me, meditation and all that, but also resourcing like taking time to be in nature or time with friends or one of my places that I need to resource more is time away from work when I, you know, I really love what I do, but I use up my, my energy account, my innate account that way. So I I love Mm -hmm. that you brought that up. So any last thing you'd like to say before we sign off here to our guests today? Well, you know, I think we're living in a time when it's very difficult to find truth in the world. Mm. And so for me, the last great bastion of truth is nature. And so get out into nature as much as you can and just be with the plants, you know, and allow yourself to defrag from all that kind of like the, the stuff that's going on or the EMFs, everything, you know, nature will just rebalance you and, and help you to, to find that, inner truth and so and help us to be more discerning with what we actually take in and believe from the outside world so so, stop looking outside for the answers yes exactly (laughs) you're the expert (laughs) oh emma farrell journeys with plant spirits plant consciousness healing and natural magic practices we're going to have to have an entirely another show so we can talk about magic one of my favorites oh okay i'd definitely like to come back so thank you (laughs) it's great to be with you thank you so much people can find out more at plantconsciousness.com emma Mm -hmm. farrell and uh just a delight to be with you thank you so much you too thank you so much take care bye We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.